0: This is Roof English Radio with Darren Adam, daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof. This is Roof English Radio. Hello, I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company. Today, I am in Kavaneri near Borganes, on a very cold January morning. We think it's about minus 10. That's what the car said anyway, or the thermometer, when I left the car. And I'm with Reichhilde Helga Jónsdóttir, who is the director of the Agricultural Museum of Iceland, which is tucked away here in Havanadi. And we're starting in an area where there's lots of wool. A yeah. lot of museums have the gift shop at the end, but you've got this in the entrance.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so here we are at the part which is part of the wool hut. This a hmm. group of people here from the surrounding area, producing everything which is sold here. Everything from natural ingredients, mainly wool, but also horns and bones, mm-hmm. and uh, nothing made out of this area. And what uh, is special about this uh, shop here is a every item which goes here through is gone through a quality check before it's sold mm. so we, uh, people can be sure it fulfills the quality okay. of it and it is yeah it is unique uh, some of these those uh, yes yeah, especially the sweaters we mm. are selling here and it's a really nice uh, shop and a nice quality of this well
0: it's worth mentioning because it is the first part that you come to when you come here to the museum but also if anyone is in the market for a genuine, authentic Icelandic jumper, worth knowing that that's available here. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, it is. Okay,
0: let's step into the Agricultural Museum of Iceland itself, which is the next room along. And as we look at some of these exhibits, are are you trying to tell the story of agriculture here in West Iceland or across the the whole country?
1: No, it is across the whole country. We have uh, artifacts from all around (laughs) Iceland. Maybe most of them are here from this area, but we are showing the history of of agriculture, how it has developed, mainly from the late 19th century, because uh, before that, agriculture in Iceland changed so little from settlement until the late 19th century, Mm. and then all this development we have gone through in the 20th century. Of course, uh, we can't show all the... Items which are the new artifacts mm. in agriculture all this new technology. We have those some of them But that is one of the things which are, we are uh, Struggling about and thinking about now how we can show those mm. big machines which Icelandic uh, farmers are using today and, and is part of the agriculture today. And
0: So that was the big change then was technology machinery. Technology.
1: Yes, yeah. yes and to, worth to mention also, we are here in this old uh, cow barn, dairy barn of Kuaneri, the second oldest we have in Kuaneri. It was built in 1928. And so this is the biggest artifact of this museum. It was in use until 2004. Uh, then right. we had a new dairy barn here, which we have are using still for our mm. agricultural university. And so a few years later, we thought of what, what can we do with this big fantastic uh, building so uh, in 2014 the museum moved here into it had been here mm-hmm. in another building before that and then it, it moved here into and this building when it was built so yeah, that was part of the development of agriculture because uh, the rector of the uh, agriculture school which was uh, here ha- has been here and the rector which was in that time around 1925 he went to Denmark and Germany mm. to see what was going on in agriculture development industry in, in those countries to take that to when we was designing this building here. Okay. So there's a lot of things here in this building as it was, which was completely new for agriculture in that time.
0: Well, the barn's a little bit warmer, I think, than it might have been today <laughs> yeah. in, in yeah. previous years. <laughs> Let's take a wander around then, and first we come to what we describe as schema. Smidja. So this would be for...
1: For taking care of those artefacts to, to, to uh, sharpen the, the slates and, and such, uh, such a thing. So we are showing but this part of this museum. We are showing the oldest uh, mm. artefacts. So, and it is designed that we walk through the history. And if you walk you through uh, this building, you are walking uh, closer to our time. In, in okay.
0: the... So this wheel then is for sharpening knives and yeah. other implements. Yeah. And it's yeah. operated by foot, I think, yeah. is it? Yeah.
1: yeah, And And same... With, with this one, yep. and this was uh, designed in Iceland, built in Iceland. So we are trying to have uh, those uh, equipment which was special, unique for Iceland. Either was uh, designed and made completely for here in Iceland, or it was uh, something technology taken from abroad and changed a little bit, so it, it, was, it was better for the Icelandic conditions. So, how old are these? These uh, from the beginning of the
0: 20th century. So, this is really the point, as you say, when machinery starts to play an important role in how people can survive in a country like Iceland, which was not an easy place to survive even 100 years ago.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't easy, <laughs> and it's uh, sometimes are my I'm. I, I'm a lecture on agricultural history and land use history in Iceland for the students of Agriculture University. And I sometimes say that I admire the people to survive here, all the struggle they went through, and with the eruptions, the cold yes. years, etc., etc., with this condition they had here and through the centuries.
0: There are some fearsome, sharp-looking objects in this case.
1: This is for cutting the grass.
0: The sides? Yes, sides, sides. yeah. Yep.
1: So, and that is one other thing which is uh, in harmony, or, or we can see that uh, how small items uh, like this has uh, affected the land use also, because when we had a new type of in in the nineteenth century, mm-hmm. it eighty around that. Then we didn't need uh, the timber or, or the coals for heating up to sharpen in the, in the edge of it. So we had a new type, we didn't need the coals for that, and we had used most of, of the trees in Iceland before this. So this is one of the things, we had mm. already used the timber, so it was part of, of uh, yeah, combining it with the land use history.
0: One of my former jobs in the UK was occasionally to cover farmers' shows when farmers would travel around the country, bringing all kinds of agricultural equipment Mm -hmm. to various places and place it on display. I always remember it was very brightly coloured. Farming machinery is very brightly coloured. And this machine that we have here is uh, it's a bit older than the ones that I was referring to on those farmer shows. Again, another fearsome looking thing. It's like a very long... A very long bicycle is what it looks like, almost, with yes. a saddle and two seats at the back, and then a very long frame, and what looks like a row of serrated triangular teeth in the middle. What's going on here?
1: This is for cutting grass, drawn <laughs> with horses, two horses on each side of this little long slide. And, and this is, yeah, this was the colors of it, because we, we tried to have it as... As original as it was when it was uh, taken here into Iceland. And th- this was part of the technology. We didn't go th- very quickly through or we took lately on horse equipment, mm-hmm. uh, especially because Icelandic horses are smaller than horses abroad. So they had tried, to, the pharmacy here had tried to import uh, horse equipment to Iceland, but they were b- way too big for yeah. the Icelandic horses and the Icelandic soil. So uh, it was later on that we, we had. Yeah, much more import of horse equipment, and this is part of that. So we went through horse equipment uh, history and agriculture in a very short
0: time. And why were they so brightly colored, these items? Because it I seems think. like an unnecessary uh, step.
1: Yeah, they, they were imported, <laughs> so it was they were in these we colors. Approach,
0: which so. are bright red and but bright yellow, very, very, I, I very brightly think. colored. And another very brightly colored piece of machinery to the left. It's blue and it's red, two big wheels on either side. Again, a very uncomfortable looking seat in the middle. And this would be used for what?
1: For raking the hay together. When it w- was dry on the field, then you use this for raking the hay. You use horses to uh, take yeah. it in. And then it was uh, a dangerous job in some ways to sit there and you needed to push it down to take it up. Yes. So the, rake was, uh, the hay was in a line.
0: And the Icelandic horse is very strong, small animal, but very strong and very hardy.
1: Yeah, very dirty and, and they are very sturdy really uh, kept us, uh, with the sheep, they kept us alive here. So they could uh, have used them as a, uh, for transportation through the centuries. Mm. And even though we didn't use horse equipment so much until the late uh, 19th century, then uh, they were really uh, important for the development here.
0: Here's our first, what you might just about recognize as a modern tractor. Fordson is the manufacturer and this was imported in 1920
1: from
0: uh, i think it was britain how is this powered
1: with a gasoline and this is uh, this is number two of those tractors which came to iceland the first one came in 1918 Mm. and we celebrated that a few years ago but uh, we haven't anything left of, of that tractor. It came to Agnes, uh, and uh, but this is uh, number two. And mm. we have tractor number three, which came to Iceland. So these is, uh, are the oldest one we have here yes. in Iceland.
0: I've been thinking a lot in recent days, and it's the middle of January when we have our conversation today about the work that was done around Grindavík to rescue those diggers, those big heavy excavators in unbelievably dangerous conditions, running towards the lava flow to rescue those machines so they could be used again. Most people, I think, understood that. A very few people wondered why such an effort was made to save machinery. And of course, the reason is that we can't just imagine new machinery into existence here in Iceland. We have to keep what we have. And when those machines are being used to build new defensive walls to protect people, they really do prove their value. I guess the same is true of farming equipment. When it was imported, it would have been very precious.
1: Yes, it was. Of course it was uh, expensive and in the beginning it was owned by the farmers' association in each uh, area, mm. and it went from one farm to the next farm for plowing, harving, and uh, such a thing, so it wasn't used as much uh, or on only one farm as uh, later yes. on. But after Second World War, when we got the cheaper tractors, mm-hmm. then it was uh, privately owned by each farmer, and that it was really uh, the machine which changed everything. Yep. In the same time, uh, in the beginning or the middle of, of uh, the century, uh, people were moving from, uh, the working laborers were moving from the farms, so the farmers needed to, to have machines instead of all the people which had been working on the farms. And the demand for uh, agricultural products went up, uh, the labor in the farms went down, so they needed to, the machines, the tractors, especially to, to uh, cover yes. all this effort we needed to produce uh, for, for the market.
0: And how mechanised now are Icelandic farms? We're walking towards the end of this barn, the old dairy barn, and the machinery is getting more and more modern, there's a... Is so this a Land Rover? No, it's a jeep to the left, isn't yeah. it? Willis, yeah. A Willis yeah. jeep. And yeah. you can see the development of the technology. All of this still imported technology. Mm-hmm. Is that still the case in Iceland? Or yes. is there an industry that can make this machinery? Do we still have to import it?
1: Uh, we, we import uh, more than we did in the middle of, of the 20th century. So it was the factories here which made the smaller uh, items uh, of the, uh, the technology for agriculture. Mm. But uh, that went down when labour costs went up. And then we are nowadays, it is uh, almost everything is imported. So uh, the machines we have here in in Icelandic agriculture just around the the country, these are similar as you can see in other countries. Uh, Slight variance between Mm. areas, but these are the machines.
0: Farming is really difficult, isn't it? Yes. And it's it's really difficult in a country like this. Is it easier now than it was
1: In some ways, yes, it is easier. And uh, some changes have gone really, really quickly through in in agriculture here in Iceland. Mm. Uh, By instance, when we had the round bales, Uh, in 1990, uh, all of the hay in Iceland was uh, dried and kept dry in the hay barn. Uh, Then uh, we had the first uh, machines for round bale making in the years before, but after 1990, we completely quit drying the hay on the field Went into having uh, round bills, Then you can have uh, take it in uh, just a few hours or, or one or two days. Uh, before we had to dry it on the fields and in this rainy country can yes, we, <laughs> in yes. the summer. So it could be really, really difficult. So the quality of the hay is much, much higher than we had before. And it is it, it is just machine working. So it, nowadays, you are just sitting in the tractor. It can be difficult also, but it is in another part. or It is different than it was when we were using our muscles yes. to all this uh, difficult work. So it, it feels
0: like technology and science is always going to make things easier. I'm thinking about the scrapie outbreaks which Mm -hmm. hopefully are going to be limited by the breeding into the stock of this protective genotype that some sheep have. So using science and using technology to make it easier because Iceland's always going to depend to a very great extent on farming. Being isolated, being an island in the middle of the North Atlantic, we've talked about the, the need to import so much. It's really important that the farming sector Survives and thrives here, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is really important because we can we can have those circumstances that we can't import food, so we need to be as uh, self-sufficient as mm. we can for for our consumption here in Iceland. Because just being part of free free country, yes, uh, and of course, a lot of research have been done now in the last decades to make it more suitable and all this by instance uh, barley we are growing here we have a lot of research in that Mm -hmm. and to make it uh, we have gone through it to make it more suitable for the Icelandic conditions, tolerant to the wind, uh, tolerant to the short growing season and uh, lower temperature than abroad. But now we can uh, grow barley, which is uh, yeah suitable for, for human consumption, because that's the, the highest quality also.
0: And these beautiful, I mean, they are beautiful machines, these beautiful tractors that you have and these vehicles, beautifully well preserved. How did you persuade families and farmers to give them over to you?
1: that is not a problem <laughs> it is, it is more problem to say no thank you because it's uh, regularly people are like okay i have this special tractors would you like to have it in the museum yeah. but we are uh, having our strategy what type of tractors to so we can show uh, the overall development okay. not we are not uh, s- yeah, yeah, selecting <laughs> all types of Ferguson, but we are showing how the development is. Yeah, yeah. But we have fantastic uh, people which have been helping us and giving us uh, artifacts, and, and also we have this group of people in Ferguson Fairlight. It's an association of, of people which are just working here yes. uh, on their own and maintaining some of those
0: yeah. uh, machines yeah. we have I mean, here. They're in showroom condition. They Some are. of these, aren't they? Just like yeah, they've come yeah. off the, yeah. the floor of the, the sales room. Do they still work? Would Yeah, they, yeah?
1: yeah. it's almost all of the uh, tractors which are here. You they, they can just take them out and use them.
0: Wow, okay, so, well that really is incredible. It's definitely mm-hmm. worth seeing. Let's talk about when the museum is open. As I say, we're having our conversation in the middle of January. There are no visitors here today. You've got longer opening hours in the summer, of course, but when are you open in the winter?
1: We are open uh, Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays from one o'clock to five o'clock, and then we have the whole week open in in the summer.
0: Is it the case that you're getting visitors now in the summer, tourists who are coming to this part of Iceland who maybe might not have done 10 or 20 years ago?
1: Yes, we have seen the development in, in tourists here in, in this area. And yeah, it is good that we are spreading the, our guests uh, over <laughs> a bigger part of a country. But yeah, yes. we have seen that. And, and we are also seeing some uh, of course, it was more in before COVID and we're coming up again. we having groups, we're having uh, lectures on agriculture in Iceland, both the development, but also uh, how is agriculture today? Because that is also important for our guests to understand how we are doing things today. Yes,
0: and that takes us full circle back to the top of this former dairy barn. Ragnhildur, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for opening up early so we could come and have a look. Fascinating stuff. We'll put a link to the website for this museum up on the page that accompanies this show from RUV English Radio. I'm Darren Adam, and you can get in touch with us anytime. English at ruv.is. There is more from RUV English, with all the news from Iceland in English at ruv.is slash English. RUV English Radio is a daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, RUV.